Welcome, you're listening to a broadcast by Barnabas Foundation, your trusted partner for smart and powerful generosity. And here's your host, Reverend Philip Leo, Church Communications Director. Good morning, friends. Thanks for joining us for today's live training. It's a pleasure to spend some time with you. Uh, it's also a pleasure to welcome Nathan Osborne. Nathan is the Managing Director of Plan Services for Barnabas Foundation. And Nathan, I am so happy to spend this time with you this morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Phil. My pleasure to be here with you today. We're going to be talking about debunking myths about gifts in a will, uh, mindful of the fact that uh, we have as our audience church leaders, pastors, uh, people who um, think about where churches are headed, think about vision for churches, think about funding for ministry. And uh, we want to uh, have a conversation about what it means for uh, their members, their church members who uh, think about planned giving, who think about uh, making a gift in their will. And we want to try to take away some of the misconceptions uh, that we have as church leaders, as church folk, that we sometimes have about planned giving and our churches. Before we dive into that, I want to just mention, so that I don't forget later, that uh, this uh, recording will be put on our church microsite. It's church.barnabasfoundation.com, and uh, you can find it there after today or uh, maybe after tomorrow, and you could share it with a church leader at your church and follow up with them and then ask them uh, what you think about that and see once if there are, are any action steps you might want to take. Also, I want to encourage you to use the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen for any questions that you might have for Nathan and myself. We'd be happy to uh, make this a really interactive uh, conversation and include your questions as part of this. So Nathan, the first uh, myth we wanna talk about is uh, go something like this, that members uh, of our church already know all about uh, leaving a gift in their will to uh, their church, and they don't really need to or want to hear about that from church leaders, from pastors, um, I think if I were going to summarize this one, it's sort of like it's none of your business as a church leader or as a pastor. That whole area is sort of off limits and you should never talk about it and never have anything to do. Are you familiar with this one, Nathan? You've experienced this and uh, what are your thoughts about it? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm glad you brought this one up first, Phil, because uh, the first thing I think about estate planning, we need to understand just the whole topic. It's really difficult for people to talk about it with anybody. Um, it's just inherently difficult um, to, you know, you're opening up about your life. You're opening up about different aspects of your life, maybe in ways that you wouldn't necessarily want to. Um, and you're also talking about your mortality, right? So these, the, you know, all these factors make this a, a topic that's just really an unpopular, it's not a popular, uh, you don't sit around and uh, have coffee <laughs> most days and talk about it. So this is definitely a difficult conversation for anybody to start. Uh, and I think that's why it's important that church leaders are aware of this is out there because I think they are in a position to where, you know, they can be facilitators of this type of a conversation. Um, you know, 
a gift, you know, gifts, we're going to get more into gifts and a will later, but you know, that whole topic aside, uh, just facilitating the idea, you know, when people get an estate plan done for the first time, it's a big weight off their shoulders. So this is really a, a service that church leaders are able to, you know, steer them towards and, and just be very helpful in that area. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate uh, that. I think that's a really good point that um, in any context, uh, talking about gifts in a will or talking about planned gifts um, isn't an easy conversation. And uh, if we imagine church leaders and pastors who are comfortable talking about it, but even more importantly, comfortable resourcing their uh, church members and, and uh, families at their church, resourcing them around this, uh, it's kind of fun to think of a different, a different sort of outcome related to instead of just silence or instead of uh, fumbling about not knowing what to say or what to do, um, imagine a church leader or a pastor who is well-informed and uh, feels comfortable talking about it. And that's a big difference. That is, that's true. Yeah. You know, the, the second part of my answer to that first myth is, uh, you know, people don't think about giving a gift and a will to church, really. It's not at the forefront of their mind. So even if they've talked about estate planning before, or they have an estate plan in place, this idea is uh, foreign to them. You know, most people, they come to church or they, they support other ministries, they support church, but they think of doing that from their monthly cash flow. Now, this is the money that they've, co they've got coming in and going out every month to pay for their expenses, you know, college tuition, all that sort of stuff. And uh, they, uh, you know, they, once they're introduced to this idea that, hey, I can leave something in my will to ministries or church, it just opens up. They, you know, there's so many generous people out there, but we all have our everyday lives that we need to fund and, and we're, you know, concerned about that. Right. So this opens up, this really gives people a lot of excitement when they hear about it. So for church leaders to be delivering that message, I think it's a, it's a, a very good thing. Absolutely. Uh, let's, uh, let's um, talk about a second myth. This one is a favorite of mine. Uh, and I have a story to go along with it. I can share in a minute, but uh, it goes like this, that gifts and a will uh, made to churches are very rare and are only made by wealthy donors or wealthy members of the church. Now, the first part of that is somewhat true because gifts and a will don't come around, um, you know, every day or every week for sure. a church. Uh, but especially that second part of it is uh, they only come from wealthy donors. Um, have you experienced this? And um, how do you respond to it? Yeah, again, you know, I think this is a misconception. I think, uh, you know, people, um, you know, the people who give gifts and a will most of, a lot of the time are your uh, very, uh, they're generous, they're uh, not wealthy necessarily, they're faithful givers in their lifetime, and they're, they're, they're very conservative savers and conservative spenders. And so they, uh, you know, throughout their life are building this legacy that they want to pass on. And so, you know, a lot of gifts in the will that we see are your, who you wouldn't think, you know, some people would say the millionaire next door, but I even think that's a stretch. It's just your average person who's a faithful saver and uh, a giver and has a generous heart. So um, I, I think that's definitely a myth. Um, you know, uh, at the last church that I served, there was a woman who passed away. She was single 
and uh, she was advanced in her age. She had had a career working uh, in, uh, in a factory. She was a fa uh, factory line worker, assembly line worker. And uh, she left in her will to our church a six-figure gift. And nobody saw that coming. Nobody imagined that uh, she would have that sort of resource. And um, it really was an eye-opener for us in terms of what, um, what, what kind of uh, profile there is for somebody that would leave a gift in their will. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I can't tell you the, uh, so I've been doing estate planning for a number of years and I've worked with lots and lots of clients. I can't tell you how many times that happens, um, where it's somebody you just would have no idea the, the widow or the, the single lady who was never married. And these people save, they're generous and they want to do something. And, uh, I've come across that so often. Yeah. Um, I think what's impressive too, is their passion for, uh, the ministry of, of God's kingdom and for the expansion of God's kingdom and how uh, they see possibility and potential for uh, what difference they can make. Um, and their love for the church too, I think is really, really impressive. Again, Nathan, I think this is another item or another, another area where pastors and church leaders need to take note. They need to recognize um, that this sort of potential exists within their congregation, within among their church membership, this sort of potential is uh, a real and present possibility. Let's talk about uh, another myth um, that the only way to leave a power, powerful gift to my church is through a gift in my will. Um, but there's other options available, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, again, we talked, uh, going back to this whole idea that, hey, I've only got this much money coming in this month. I can only put out this much. That's, you know, we, we want to try to help people understand that, you know, you don't want to get stuck in that thinking. Um, there's many other ways you can give that make a lot more sense than just giving from your monthly cash flow. Uh, one of the examples, uh, you know, we call these non-cash assets. Uh, and I'm just going to use one, one of, there's a couple of really obvious examples. One would be appreciate, highly appreciated stock. Mm -hmm. So if you buy stock at a low price and it's, it's uh, appreciated quite a bit, when you, if you were to just sell that, take the cash and give it, well, you're going to pay uh, considerable taxes on that gain. And so uh, if you are a generous giver and you're currently giving from your cash flow or would want to give more from your monthly cash flow, it's, uh, you know, this, this can really open another door for you and you can get some significant benefit from it. It will allow you to give more. It will allow you to, uh, you know, work on your tax bill a little bit. And, uh, you know, a, another thing is real estate. You know, if you buy real estate and it appreciates a lot and you really don't want it any longer, um, a lot of people think it makes sense. Hey, we'll donate this real estate. And again, you, uh, you, you wipe away some taxes and you are able to give outside of your monthly cash flow. Uh, and we get, you know, the people who do this, they, they, they maybe think about it and they, it seems complicated. And that's why Barnabas is here because we're able to help walk the, the donors through this process. And here's the reality, Phil, you do this one time <laughs> and it opens up this big door. It opens your eyes to a whole new way to being generous. Right. And we've seen time after time, people go through it one once and they're, 
they're all of a sudden, wow, this is great. This is a new gateway for me. And uh, it, once, once they, once you go through it, it becomes just easier. You know what you're doing. And of course we're here to help with that. So. Absolutely. At the, um, at the front end, we do have a question coming in, but I'm, I'm, I'll take it in just a second. But at the front end of our conversation, Nathan, I was saying, you know, um, there are resources that church leaders and pastors can share with their congregation so that um, they can uh, be confident talking about uh, making a gift in a will or, uh, or being sensitive to the needs of somebody that might uh, benefit from uh, making a gift of not a non-cash asset because they have charitable intent. Uh, but also have a situation where it would uh, be wiser for them to donate uh, that asset rather than uh, sell it off and pay the tax on it. Um, Nathan, let's take this question. Um, what's a good first step to share with members who may want to leave a gift in their will to your church's ministry? So uh, I'm a pastor, I'm at a church, and um, I know that there are folks in my church that would like to leave a gift in their will. Uh, how do I advise them to proceed? What's, uh, what's the best advice that I give to them? I think point of contact is important. Create a, create a, uh, maybe a workshop setting, a, you know, a, a separate group that uh, you could advertise and uh, with the top lead with the topic. Uh, I think that's probably a good place for church leaders to start. Um, and then, uh, you know, once you get some response to that, then you can build from that. And then it becomes, I think once you kind of get the ball rolling, it'll be like a snowball. It'll become a topic of conversation among your, uh, your members, church members. And, uh, so I always think that's a good, uh, it's a good place to start as in like a smaller group setting, and then it can spread throughout the congregation. Absolutely. And you, you know, being a pastor, you, um, probably have some comments on that as well. Absolutely. And I, and I think, too, um, uh, I think one thing that I would do is I wouldn't hesitate to call Barnabas Foundation. I wouldn't hesitate to have a conversation with uh, one of our planners at Barnabas Foundation. I would ask for you by name, Nathan. I'd be like, can I talk to Nathan like that? And, um, and a simple conversation would really be a good, a great first step in uh, helping church members make yeah. decisions about how they want to proceed related to uh, uh, planned giving. Sure. Ultimately, once they're engaged and they're aware that our services are available, that is, that is the perfect step. Yeah. Our planners are, our planners are happy and waiting to uh, meet with people or talk with people. Absolutely. Uh, let's take the fourth myth. Um, I sometimes think that church leaders and pastors are hesitant to uh, enter into this arena of planned giving and leaving gifts in a will because uh, there's a hesitancy um, uh, thinking that those sorts of gifts and, and plans for them will impact current day giving. That'll impact uh, they're giving today to ministry right now. And of course, we always feel that urgency of the moment and we don't want to put that giving at risk. And so we feel like it's better off uh, left unsaid. Don't talk about it uh, because we don't want to put that at risk. Uh, have you experienced that? And what's, uh, how do you respond to it? 
I'm so glad you asked that question, Phil, and gave me the opportunity to address this because what I'm about to tell you seems to be really counterintuitive until you really dive into some statistics and data and studies that have been done. Uh, so one of the uh, leading people in planned giving, Russell James, is a uh, Texas Tech professor. And uh, so what he found, and I'll just, uh, I'm, I'm a, I like to give the answer, then I'll, back, then I'll tell you how we get there. But basically, that's not true. Uh, studies have shown that people that give a gift and a will, uh, their current giving actually increases significantly around that time. Uh, and the reason, you know, the reason I can confidently say that is uh, Russell James, there's a couple studies out there, but he's been um, doing some research. He analyzed a, a, long, um, a, a long study of about 20,000 uh, Americans. And I'm just looking at my notes because uh, there's some stats here, which tripped me up. <laughs> so forgive me about that. It's the National Institute on Aging. Um, they were uh, following 20, or they are following around 20,000 Americans. And uh, but Russell James found that uh, after placing a gift in a will, 75%, I'm sorry, the, uh, the, this group of people increased their current giving by about 75% wow. after they put a gift in a will. Wow. So I think, uh, and that's in the following five following years after putting the gift in the will. Now, in addition to that, there was a 2000 study, uh, seven study uh, by the uh, Indiana Lilly family, uh, I'm sorry, Indiana Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, uh, and they showed that basically the same thing as once a gift and a will was uh, established, their uh, annual giving increased by about twice as much. Wow. <clears throat> so important studies out there supporting this idea that if you put a gift in a will, you're going to start giving more currently. So it's, right. It, right. it's counterintuitive, but that's what we're finding. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, uh, it goes to something you said earlier in terms of uh, uh, it's quite possible, not only for churches, but also for families to generate good momentum when it comes to their own habits of generosity and their own discipline of generosity. And that, uh, that one good gift leads to another good gift. And uh, families and even, even churches get a taste for giving and want to um, keep uh, upping the ante, so to speak, when it comes to uh, what they're giving and the kind of impact they're making through giving. And uh, I think, again, for pastors and for church leaders, that's another thing to keep in mind. Uh, when we talk about generosity, when we talk about promoting planned gifts, when we talk about promoting uh, gifts in a will, that's, that's not a, a taboo subject for us in the church, um, that it's part and parcel of what it means to grow in uh, the habits of generosity, and that if we aren't equipped and ready to have conversations and direct people uh, to really good resources, of which Barnabas Foundation has lots and lots of wonderful resources, then um, we're dropping the ball a bit. We're not, um, we're not coming through as leaders um, entirely the way we should be coming through as leaders. Yes, agreed. I think it's, uh, I, I, I agree, it's good old fashioned snowball effect. And yeah. I think, you know, we got to get the ball rolling. And I think this, you know, we, uh, these studies are showing us, uh, you know, people are generous. They want to figure out, people also have a lot of expenses. They want to figure out new ways to give. This is a great way. 
And uh, I think it creates a snowball effect on two levels. One is you get the congregation in general going on it. There's a snowball effect. Everybody kind of gets, gets on board. Uh, but then also in individual people's lives, they this door is opened and they it, it, it really gets the ball rolling for them as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nathan, this is a great conversation. I'm sure we could uh, extend it even further, but let's save that for another day. Uh, we'll have you back uh, for a live training. So grateful for your time and also uh, your role here at Barnabas Foundation. Uh, it's a pleasure to be working with you. And uh, I look forward to so much more coming in the future. I want to remind folks, uh, go to church.barnabasfoundation.com and uh, you'll be able to find this recording. Please share it with the church leader. Uh, you've heard this and uh, you've thought about these things. Now share it with another church leader. Ask them to think about this and then just circle back with them and say, what'd you think about that? Uh, are there things that we can be doing at our church to give a higher profile to planned giving, uh, to gifts of uh, non-cash assets, and also to gifts in a will? Uh, what can we do? What resources can we provide for our folks so that we can uh, make that snowball grow and, uh, and grow that culture of, of generosity at our church? Thanks uh, so much uh, for joining us and God bless in the rest of your week. Thank you for listening. This audio has been brought to you by Barnabas Foundation. Learn how we can help you experience smart and powerful generosity. Visit us today at www.church.barnabasfoundation.com.